1: Hey, Global Chatter Tribe. Many of you know that part of my professional background is both in career development and education, which means I get a number of people, especially educators, asking how they can launch their careers abroad. If that's you, you need the International Educator, which connects English-speaking teachers with opportunities at international schools around the world. Not only do you find out about vacancies, but you get much needed information on topics as varied as free housing, tax-free salaries, and professional development. And here's the thing. All subjects and grade levels are needed at schools in Europe, the Middle East, Asia, Africa, and the Americas. So for a limited time only, TIE, as it's known for short, is offering discounts on memberships for Global Chatter listeners. So visit TIE online, that's T-I-E online.com, and use the promo code Global Chatter to save on your membership today. If you looked at the beginning of Dr. Sheree Watkins' story, it was unlikely that she would become an expat. She and her twin sister were born to a teenage single mom who struggled hard to provide for her children. However, Sheree and her sister were also surrounded by a large extended family that gave them a close-knit community. This is important because it was her family that would reinforce the dreams of going beyond what she had as a kid and a teenager. Determination is most certainly a running theme in her life. Ultimately, she and her sister would earn PhDs. A psychotherapist by profession, it shouldn't be surprising then that mental wellness is a frequent discussion point in this episode. Sheree is currently Director of Wellness and Counseling at the American University of the Caribbean in St. Martin, otherwise known as the Netherlands Antilles. In this role, She oversees wellness counseling services for medical students and their families and provides oversight, leadership and supervision to the wellness counselors. A role that she obtained and relocated for during the pandemic. As you might imagine, most of her educational community is made up of expats, students and faculty that have come from all across the world to either further their education or career. In addition to sharing her own story, Sheree provides some insight on how to adjust to some of the most common challenges international students face, including homesickness, anxiety, and loneliness. Sheree's story starts in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, but you will hear the twists and turns that have led her and her family to the life that they are building in St. Martin. Welcome to The Chatter. Okay, so it is very rare that I'm doing an episode with somebody who's from North Carolina. And so I was geeking off the air because (laughs) I got somebody who's from North Carolina. And for for some of you who ask all the time, where in the world am I? I am in the Tar Heel state. And so this guest, I think, is going to bring some knowledge and some wisdom that Quite often, many of us need, especially when it comes around mental care and mental wellness. So, Dr. Sheree Watkins is joining us on the podcast today. How are you, Sheree? Hello, everyone. Good. <laughs> I wish y'all could see her smile. She's glowing, and I don't know if it's the island life. It might be the island life, to be it honest.
2: Because
1: <laughs> North Carolina is great, but it ain't no island. So, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so, by
2: any means.
1: But I, you know, for me. Especially as someone who's also a counselor, I just love folks who this is their space because we don't talk enough about this, particularly for those of us who are in black and brown communities, I think for those of us who are expats, for those of us who are who just are going through some stuff and are trying to figure out resources and 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 how to support, especially to move and so I I have just asked Sheree to come on here, and she's just gonna talk about her life, and we're gonna talk about what she does, and and maybe some resources she has, and hopefully by the end of it, I will have all the links as to where you can find her and her business and on social media because you guys know that's what I do. So, yes. this is the first question I always ask folks because they always want to know. So, where in the world are you? <laughs>
2: I am in St. Martin, um, and I have to be specific, I'm on the Dutch side of St. Martin, and so that's typically known as the Netherlands Antilles, Mm -hmm. and so I have been here for almost two years.
1: I've been a lot of places. This is really shocking to people. I've never been to the Caribbean. Oh! I know, and I've I've been to the ends of, except for Antarctica, but to the ends of (laughs) Earth and back, and somehow... The Caribbean, literally been to Singapore, been to the Middle East, been to Africa, oh, been wow. to Europe, <laughs> been, mm-hmm. been to South America a couple of times. And somehow I have not gotten to an island. How did you what, like what took you to St. Martin? Like what took you there? Like what's what's the story? Did you grow up abroad? Did you marry? And it took you there? Like how why are you there? Look, elf, <laughs> none of the above. Um,
2: I grew oh. up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina.
1: Hey, With a teenage hey. single
2: mother who had identical twins at the age of 18. We were poor, wow. not poor. Wow. We were poe.
1: First of all, for those of y'all who don't know, so Winston-Salem, because that's exotic. <laughs> also, <laughs> ain't AKA ever been- known
2: as a trefo <laughs> to my people.
1: Okay, winston Sal. Maybe for some of y'all who don't know, Greensboro <laughs> might be the, might yes. be the next spot. Yes. Okay. So that's in the center of North Carolina. So this is a whole North Carolina geography is. episode. Yes. It's in the center. Okay. I didn't know all of this. Tell me more. All yes. right. So you grew up in Winston. Grew up
2: in Winston. Wow. Um, I was raised, definitely, it's what we call the collective, Raised by the Village. Um, Since my mom had us at, um, young, we was raised alongside my aunties, my uncles, and my grand- um, grandmother, my maternal grandmother, and paternal grandmother. And moved around a whole lot. We went to five different elementary schools just because, you know, financial issues and evictions and all this type of stuff. Yeah. Um, but what was interesting in, in that um in that journey is that I always had uh an embedded in friend. I was born with my best friend, as as we often say. So shout out to my twin sister, um, Dr. Shantae Elbert. That's where that's where things begin. Um, around the age of about maybe seven or eight. Unfortunately, our father. Um, who was very active in our life in the beginning, um, became addicted to crack cocaine. So we are also unfortunately a part of the crack epidemic. And that's when things began to spiral for him in and out of trouble in prison up until um, our graduate career. He finally was able to come home in 2014 or 15 Um, so, um, that was his life. And so from there we were raised by a mother who was a nurse. My grandmother made sure that she said, no matter what happened, you're going to school. So my mom is a, a LPN. Now she works as a nurse administrator. My maternal grandmother, she was a nurse born and bred and she went into doing home nursing later on in her life before she passed away our junior year. So we were just really created and surrounded by family. And then our family is very large on both sides. Mm -hmm. And we have family that's also in the country, parts of North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So um, what we call Davie and Davidson County and Lexington, (laughs) our families is way deep down in there also. So, yeah, they're deep. And Uh so we got a little twang Mm -hmm. to us. And so we, we grew up in a family that was very close knit. And we also are a singing family. So I can't sing like my mom and grandmother, but I can hold a note. And I've learned to harmonize over the years. So, yes. And so um, growing up, I wanted to be a nurse, just like my mom and grandmother. And so that's what I went to school for. I went to East Carolina University as a pre-nursing major. Mm. That didn't work
1: out. Wow. And I I mean, so Mm -hmm. here's, well, here's the thing. It's so inspirational. And you already alluded to your sister, And if if people didn't catch it, there was a doctor in front of her name as well. What was what was the motivation for both of you? all Obviously, you you came out of some challenging circumstances, but you actually also came out of a supportive environment with the grandparents and extended family. Um,
2: I think the motivation for us is that we wanted to be what we didn't see and what we did see. What we what we saw was um, black strong women who were educated. So my auntie is a lawyer. My uncle was, um, was in the military. Unfortunately, my other uncle passed away very young um, in his mid-20s, and so he, by tra- he was a tradesman, so he was a plumber and electrician. But they told us that they they expected greatness. And so um, when we talked about me and my twin, we always knew we wanted to be doctors. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to go on to be a DMP, um, and she thought she was going to go on to be a doctor or something, but she didn't quite just know yet. At first, it was athletic training, and we both got into school and was like, this is not working. And so um, somewhere along the lines, I told her, I said, you know, I want to move overseas by the time I got to college. I want to be able to get beyond these walls because what I learned is that many of my family members regardless of education, they didn't have a passport, and they never le- um, left the U.S. Yeah. Some of them have never even yeah. left North Carolina. And I was like, oh, I'd be dang. I'm just, I can't be in the in that type of box. And so um, probably right after I finished, well, in the midst of me completing my doctorate is when I start looking for jobs overseas. That's how early it began. Mm-hmm.
1: So you kind of, you knew kind of, I'm not saying early on that you wanted to go abroad. Wow.
2: I did. I just wanted to see what else was out there. And when you grow up in the projects and you you see just different types of struggle, but you also see different types of resiliency. You just wonder what is it like, you know, in different parts of the country where people are also struggling, but also they're also being resilient um, themselves. And I always wanted to travel to Europe, um, to the continent of Africa, just to see what was out there, just to try something.
1: So here's what I'm curious about, because I, especially if you didn't grow up in a family that necessarily traveled as much as maybe some of other folks I've interviewed, Mm -hmm. was there something, because I'm always very interested, especially with Black folks, was there something or a show or something that made you go, I could do that or I want to do that? So like, you know, I'm of the generation, I feel like you probably in this similar generation Mm -hmm. where, for example, good or bad, we saw... A Different World yes. and The Cosby Show that made us think about life in a different way, mm-hmm. especially depending on what circumstances. So is there anything you can remember or just something that made you think, okay, I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to go somewhere? Or was it just a natural curiosity of, I just want to see what's outside you No, know, shout
2: out to A Different World that turned me on to Greek life. I am Greek. Um, but also yeah. shout out to them exposing me to terms such as study abroad um, and those types Great. of things. <laughs> and so I remember being at a yeah. PWI And they had multiple opportunities to study abroad, and I just couldn't afford it. Um, Unfortunately, you know, we we were those children that though we were living out of poverty at the time, the struggle was still real. And we had a younger brother by that time who was at home with 12 Mm -hmm. years apart. And so we were sending our financial aid um, checks home just to make sure that, you know, the home could still be taken care of. And so I didn't get the chance to study abroad while I watched some of my friends um, who went and studied abroad for a semester or for a whole year. And I'm just like, oh, I didn't get that experience. And so one way I was going to get it, one way.
1: <laughs> so if you aren't familiar with the term, PWI is pre- predominantly white institution mm-hmm. at the higher ed level. So when we think about universities, man, let me, so not to insert myself into your mm-hmm. story, but I worked at, at a previous university, I've worked at which was a major university, Mm -hmm. which was in an urban location. Mm -hmm. They had, it was, as weird as this term sounds, majority minority Mm -hmm. (laughs) population. Mm -hmm. You know, I got asked, how come we don't have enough Black and Brown students studying abroad? Because when you looked at the numbers, Mm -hmm. right, even though numerically Black and Brown students were in the majority, it was still predominantly white students. Mm -hmm. I think you just said something super key that folks don't understand. The financial responsibilities, especially on first, not even just first gen, low income, Mm -hmm. immigrant kids, Mm -hmm. right? Where, okay, you're getting X amount of money for financial aid, but you know that there's stuff going on at home. I can't spend X amount of money to go to Germany for whether it's two weeks or two months or a semester, knowing I've got financial responsibility. I think that's a weight that a lot of folks don't understand that, that a lot of children of, of color or first generation students go Mm -hmm.
2: through.
1: And yeah. So I'm just kind of curious about your thoughts in that, just because I, I often hear people, why don't people, more people, black and brown folks study abroad? I'm like, they can't, it's not even just it's not just being affording to. It's these other responsibilities that are often a, a challenge. agree. And, you know, it's, sometimes it's, we, have a, we
2: have the motivation, we have the, the want and the, the ability, but it's also there's still a small fear. What are we going to, you know, encompass when we get over there? What would be looked at differently? So I think there's a fear factor that we also have to be realistic in, in, in sharing that though I wanted to, there mm. still was a fear of what would that experience be like when I got over there? Would I um, truly mm-hmm. be able to enjoy the experience? And so that was also a part of it, like, you know, okay, so we're over here. What type of food do I eat? How do I navigate you know, the language? How do yeah. I navigate transportation? All those different types of things. So that was still a, a part of my mind that also kept me a little rigid in trying to look for mm-hmm. possible other resources. Like, okay, it'll come when maybe I'm a little bit more older, a little bit more mature. And so I think yeah. there's also some secondary reasons that also didn't push me um, to look for additional resources to make that happen.
1: So I guess I would ask you this question. Older you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) who now obviously lives abroad, Mm -hmm. because this is a question I get a lot from black and brown parents is, what would you tell then sort of those black and brown parents who who are like, I got a kid who might be thinking about studying abroad. I'm not sure. Like, what do you think from your own experiences you would share with like those parents in terms of why they should consider it or what are the ways to consider it?
2: Um, what I would say is that um, let them be able to experience it and teach them to lean into fear. Um, fear is a, just mm. emotion, just like any um, any other emotion that we all exhibit and um, and harness. And so if we can teach our, um, our children to lean into the fears that they have, they're able to face a variety of different types of issues, which will always come along as a part of our lifetime. Um, and then also teach them that, you know, in, in, even in living in that, um, that fear, um, that they can always ask for help with different types of resources. You can prepare for that fear. So for example, um, watching YouTube, since we have technology now, they have apps, Google mm-hmm. Translate, to make sure you have that set up on your phone. What are some ways that you can mediate that fear and prepare for it? But also um, for parents in their own fear of letting their babies go, is mm-hmm. to just be mindful that they need to have that life experience of being able to travel abroad. And if parents can't afford it, I always tell parents, quality of a quantity. I would rather have taken a trip to some overseas country than mm-hmm. yearly trips to Virginia Beach or Myrtle Beach.
1: Right. <laughs> you say that, but that's what Because yes. here, that happens. Yes, full. it does. It does. That's why I'm laughing. Oh, my God, Virginia Beach. I got stories. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> I'm just... Man, like, no shade. My family lives in Richmond. Mm-hmm. No shame. Oh, no. But, like... Those are great bitches. Can... And please take your children to the beach. <laughs> we
2: have Black people who've never been to the beach and never seen sand and water. <gasps> that, that is fair. Um, so th- fair. I say that in perspective and <laughs> saying that if you can right. um, save two trips and maybe do something local to save up for maybe an overseas trip, even if it's only for two or three days, that can mm-hmm. definitely go a long way in teaching children how to get on an airplane, how to navigate the airport, <laughs> um, how to experience different foods. That is something and people outside of just the US that's different. And they look at us as the other, instead of vice versa. Right.
1: So I started this off with the original question, Mm -hmm. how did you get to St. Martin? So take (laughs) us us out, you got to St. Martin. So we got you through school, and then what happened? So I
2: had applied (laughs) and actually got um, multiple offers overseas, and it just wasn't the right time in my life. Were they the Caribbean, or were they in just other parts of the world? Other parts of the world. One oh, wow. was in w- w- will be considered a part of the, um, the Mediterranean. One was in Cyprus, Turkey. Yeah. Um, one yeah. was over in China. And I think those were the two. I think those were the two.
1: And so this is once you would completed your doctorate.
2: One was um, when I was finishing up my dissertation. The one in Cyprus. Um, the okay. second one was after I completed my, uh, my doctorate. So, yeah.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. What kind of positions were, were you looking at or were they? So
2: the one in Cyprus was at a, um international university teaching in their counseling department as an assistant professor. Okay. Um, the second one was working as a military contractor, um, providing health um, education and counseling to military um, personnel oh. and families on the base. OK, so that sounds mm-hmm. fascinating. It was.
1: So what happened? You didn't take the money.
2: one in Cyprus. Um, <laughs> My, um, my first marriage was on the rocks at that time. And I was <laughs> like, okay, let me, I remember one thing. So I'm licensed in mental health and counseling. And so it's part of um, being in this field. We are required as a part of our curriculum to go to 12-step programs. And one popular mm-hmm. um quote in the rooms, as we call it for short, is you take you wherever you go, especially when it comes of to course. addiction and substance use. And I remember, am I going to take this drama, from North Carolina to Cyprus. And I was like, it's not the time. It's just not the time. Not mm. until we get to um, a healthier um, um, area of our of our marriage. And so, and the other one was, they weren't trying to pay me. I was like, I'm a doctorate. <laughs> the first story was traumatic, yes. but the second was just <laughs> as traumatic. I was like, do you not see these credentials? I'm triply licensed right. people. <laughs> Let me, I'm I'm trying to get all the coins. (laughs) Yeah. And so at that time, I was a single parent by then um, because we had divorced. And so I'm like, I'm not moving overseas with this. I think they was trying to pay me like $40,000. I'm like, they're like, it's tax free. I don't care.
1: No, ma'am. Because I'm assuming you had children at that yes, point? Yes, I had
2: one son and he was one years old. And I was like, no, I'm, no regardless of true. all the benefits that you all are talking about, housing and things like that, that's not going to have me pay off that's my student lot. loans <laughs> <laughs> and pay for my bills from day to day. Right. So I applied for a job um, as a counseling director, made it to, is actually with our sister school, Ross um, School of Medicine that's in Barbados. And I made it to a second round. And I didn't get it. And I was devastated because I killed that interview. And so I remember um, sitting after I got the news that I didn't get it. And I said, God, I'm tired. I used the analogy of, you know, I've been planted the seed, I didn't tore the ground, I didn't reap the harvest. I'm ready, you know, to kind of pack it up and take, you know, my gift somewhere else. And I remember my therapist had told me, you can't apply for no more jobs because the, the process had broken me completely. Right. And so um, my therapist says no more jobs. And so I remember listening to her and I was like, OK. So it was right after Christmas and it was it was nighttime. We had just cut out the living room for all the toys and stuff. And I just happened to get online and um, saw an email come through from that same school. And it says, hey, because you apply for this job, have you seen this job? And so I looked right. at it and I looked to the side. I'm like, Is my, does my therapist see me? Because all I did, all I had to do was press, you no know, apply because they already have my information. Right. So I pressed apply and I ain't say nothing. And the next day um, I texted, her, I said, I know I'm in trouble, but I apply for a job. And she's, she just put SMH, we'll talk later because it was the holidays. And so by the time we talked, I had told her that I had an interview set up with the um, HR department. And literally from Christmas until the offer, six weeks. They flew me and um, my fiance at that time. Now he's my husband over here for a week and a half to interview and see the island. Everything just lined up perfectly, and so that's how we got here.
1: <laughs> so I know a little bit about Ross because in in my role as I, I was telling you that I. I'm at NC State's vet school, mm-hmm. is that we get a couple of their offshore students from their college of yes, veterinary yes, medicine. Yes, yes, yes. So I, I, I know some of that. And man, first of all, I don't even know what to say. as <laughs> <I> still... <laughs>
2: Just know that my therapist forgave me. She did.
1: She forgave right, me. Right, because she's like, she probably was like, I can do an in-person session on the island if you yes. need. We don't have to zip. Yes.
2: And so um, she's been a great support. Um, now we've she provides coaching ad hoc for me because um, many of the stuff that I was going to um, counseling for, those are resolved and healed. So every now and then, if I just have stuff that I need to process, kind of like a check-in, she'll do a coaching session with me. Um, but she's still a, a very much a part of my life, so I'm appreciative of her. But this journey was interesting because I got hired and was
1: supposed to move and COVID hit. Oh, you know, yes. So COVID disrupted everyone's Look, plans. By the way, and this and this piece I don't want anyone to to miss out on. Yes, even your therapist can have a therapist. Oh, so if you're on the That's mandate I know this if your therapist don't have a therapist <laughs>
2: You may want to sit there and put them on pause and go look elsewhere cuz we all need help.
1: Okay. Thank you. I I think that that's super important especially when we talk about mental care. I'm like you, the people who you go to for care yes. often got to make sure they're processing their own stuff so that they can be good at what they're doing to help yes. you. So, there's that part. Now, how did COVID interrupt this journey because you've been you've been in St. Martin. Well. Is it less than 2 years or 2 years? Um, it's been
2: a year and a half, so a year and 6 months. Okay.
1: Okay, so you get the offer. Obviously, this is what this is 2019 or 2020. 2020. I got the offer
2: in the end of January, and they want, oh, yeah, They wanted a quick start. <laughs> I was like, dang it. And at that time, I was working um, within a hospital system, working with
1: mm-hmm. sickle
2: cell patients and hemophilia patients. So um, by my contract, I couldn't just up and leave. I had to at least give four weeks. Okay. We we me and my husband at the time we had just bought a brand new house. We hadn't even been in that house five months, brand new furniture, everything. And when we got the offer, we had to decide, you know, what's we going to sell it? I try to keep it, la la. And we sold everything, 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 including the house. House sold, furniture sold, baby wow. toys sold, everything was sold. <laughs> and then um, wow. three days before we were supposed to fly out, the island locked down and everything locked of down. And literally, we was homeless. <laughs> like, I was like, I got to go back and stay with my mama.
1: I haven't stayed with you in a long time, but here, here I am with a husband and kids. And after
2: a week, I'm like, somebody's not going to make it. <laughs> but on wow. the, um, the thing about it is that, you know, at Tellem, which owns um, two medical schools and a veterinarian school, yeah. they stood up. They did what they were supposed to do. They put us into an Airbnb and paid for it for three months.
1: In the States.
2: In the States.
1: Wow. Wow. They're like,
2: you're not going to struggle. And so that was just, it was a breath of fresh air to be able to sit there and say that I don't have to worry about where me and my children are going to lay our head and while still working because they still wanted me to start working.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So when, when did you finally, were you able to make it onto the island?
2: Um, We was able to come July, July 7th of last year
1: okay so yes. you so you got the offer in january january the lo- lockdown happened mm-hmm. and so it really wasn't until the middle of the year yes and we were still trying to figure out i mean this is globally right what what's happening with COVID? so yes. how how are they able to actually because travel was still very restricted let me go
2: girl let me tell you i was sitting at my computer <laughs> mind my business and the email came through and my boss said hey you free i said yeah she called me she said hey um, our national person over security who works with the government here, they have a flight of um, people who have been stuck in the U.S. And they're putting back, um, putting together a repatriation flight for citizens of St. Martin to come back home and get back home. Um, because of the status of my physician, um, they're able to get you and your family on that flight, too. I am like, okay, so when's the flight? They're like, in three days. I said, <laughs> Okay. wait
1: but they said they said citizens though right yes so I have citizenship now because of the job
2: (laughs) because of the job I have have dual citizenship so we are citizens of St. Martin (laughs) and citizens of the U.S. and so yeah as a part of my job um in the position I have here on campus they got me and my family on that repatriation flight
1: are they hiring? Because I no, let me. They
2: know. are hiring. Me... We are always hiring. Please go to at tell them. I think it, I don't know if it's dot com or org. Wait, just go we, to at tell them. Put we, them can, in
1: we, we can find it. I, yes, yes. I, we can find it. I'm saying this, and then we're going to be like five hundred people are going to be like she. There might. But be look, there's some
2: downsides. So let me go ahead and tell you, okay. <laughs> to get our license transferred from the U.S. here, it's a six months process, and it's four hundred dollars. I told my husband, I said, once we pay this $400 for this license over here, we ain't ever leaving. I right. ain't never paid
1: $400 for no license. Right. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. hmm Y'all need to go ahead and buy a home there. Just call it your second.
2: We're working on that. We're working oh, on that. So part. you have to be here for at least two years. And so um, to be able to get a loan here, you can get a loan back yeah. in the States too, um, but it just makes the paperwork just a little bit trickier. Little bit, so yeah.
1: hmm so can I ask you this question? Obviously, you know, now you're you're in the Caribbean and you as the person, not you as the professional, not you with mm. all your training. What was the transition process for your family? Because I'm assuming up until that point, your children have been born and raised in North Carolina for the most part. I don't know if your, is your husband North Carolinian as well? Yes, he
2: is. He's okay. North Carolinian country too.
1: <laughs> w- which, is he from Winston as well or somewhere else? No,
2: he's from, um... I can see it. It's Alamance County. He's from Alamance? Um, But, yeah. I mean,
1: it's Alamance. Yeah. So, we
2: already. I think the biggest part for my family, my sister, my twin, she was truly ecstatic for me. When we both left Greenville, North Carolina from ECU, she moved to Charlotte. I came three years later. Hint, hint. Um, Then she moved to um, Indianapolis. And then by that time, when I moved, she was in Washington State. And was about to um, get to Ohio State. Now she's the VP of um, Ohio State. Yeah. She was like, okay. Actually, we're closer in flight compared to me trying to fly all the way to Washington State right outside of Seattle. Yeah. But my mama and my grandma now, my aunties, all the baby cousins, you know, the ones that we used to babysit, like, oh, we got a place to come for vacation. They ecstatic. So it's like siblings ecstatic, cousins ecstatic. Aunties and uncles and mom were <laughs> like, hell to the now. That generation <laughs> is like... Have you, you lost you your mind? Right. But they knew that I had been applying multiple times. They knew when I went to Cyprus. They knew about the job in China. Um, But because I had turned both of those down, they, they thought that the process had stopped. Right. And so I think the hardest part for anyone was my mom. Because after going through my divorce with my um, first husband, her and my first son um, is... Close, close. That's his Yaya, as she, as he calls her. And um, they would be together every other weekend. I think the tears watching them two is what broke my heart and made me stop and pause and second guess. Uh. Because the relationship that I had with my grandmother was just as close as the one that my son has with my mom. And I'm like, okay, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And I had to remind myself that I'm trying to create generational wealth um, that encompasses both freedom, um, financially, but freedom when it comes to experiences and culture and so much more. Since I-
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
3: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Go to Shopify.com/try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/try.
2: I've been here though, even in the midst of COVID, my mama has been over here three times, so now that it's that's not a problem at all. She's good to go. She passed.
1: This message comes from one of our affiliate partners, FlexJobs. FlexJobs has 100% verified job listings, career experts, and resume help. They've helped people find great remote jobs since 2007. If you are looking for your next remote opportunity and want to save up to 30% when you sign up for a membership, visit the dot forward slash codes to learn more. Because I when I scheduled this interview, I didn't I didn't make the connections about how she was gonna go from Winston-Salem to St. Martin, but <laughs> kudos to you for the dual citizenship. But like I'm you know, what is what is what has been the experiences for you personally? And the differences being a black woman in a black family in a predominantly Mm -hmm. black and brown country after obviously living in a country where you've been a minority. Like what is what kind of struck you? What was unexpected? What's the good, the bad, just the different? So we haven't had any bad.
2: We've um, since we've been here, we've only had good experiences. Mm -hmm. What's so funny is we because I have locks in my hair. Yeah. My husband has a bald head, but until we open up our mouths, we are seen as someone from St. Martin. Gotcha. Until we open up our mouths and speak and we're not speaking Dutch or Spanish um, or some other, because they they are very much a melting pot here. They don't know that we're not, you know, wasn't born um, and raised here, And so we're treated as such. Mm. But even when we do speak, kindness, asking, of course, where are you from? And everyone automatically thinks that we're from New York. I'm like, no, we're from the South. Right. We're (laughs) not from New York. (laughs) Everyone's not from New York. Right. And it's interesting. I remember uh, one story. We had been over here and it had just opened back up. and we, I had to go grocery shopping. So my son was at home and I had went out by myself. So driving over here, mm-hmm. ma'am, interesting people. You drive and you drive to the point where... You have to keep up with traffic or they will go around you or run. Right. Right.
1: Okay, So they're aggressive. Um, Gotcha.
2: Oh, very aggressive. Um, But I was in the grocery store and literally I had a person who was um, stocking up stuff, follow me around the grocery store to make sure I knew where everything was. Hey, what's next on your list? Okay, come on, come to this out, and he was just asking he questions was about where I'm from. Very, very <laughs> helpful. And I had to be in there for at least an hour. So, of course, you know, the black woman to me like, "Is he trying to holler? But he wasn't. He, he was just, just help being up. helpful.
1: Cuz I was Go at, figure. I was at food line yesterday. Let me tell you, there was a lot of things going on, but help was not one, was look, not what
2: I cuz look, you, back in the states, be <laughs> staying in Charlotte, Grocery shopping in Walmart. I've had the most craziest experience with black guys walking up to me. Right, and you just don't do that. Right, you just don't. Right, but here it was so totally different. You're being friendly. Like, Can I help you? <laughs> Can I really help you find what you're needing? That's the beauty of it. Um, my my over here, she just welcomed me with open arms. I got lost. So I walked in. I was crying and sweating at the same time because I got lost trying to find it. I literally was in their downtown area circling. And I called her. I'm like, I'm, I am it's almost 45 minutes into my session. I cannot find you. She said, where are you at? She found the landmark. And she literally stood on the phone and walked me to her place, which was actually only two blocks over. Mm. But I'm sweating. So I came in. She said, sit. Let me get you some tea. Just take a breather. She said, it's going to be okay. I'll work you in and it's like that was one of my first experiences mm. um well my second experience is just once again just people being welcoming cuz i have a big fear of being lost like literally i was sweating from every per- um you know pore and she's like just take a breather it's okay it happens i'm just like <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh!
2: And then it felt just like I was back at home because we started gossiping about everybody, everything. everybody,
1: everybody and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. How
1: is it adjusting to island life? What's what's sort of the differences? Because I think that people, you know, you see the shows or you go somewhere for vacation. What's mm-hmm. different living on an island versus just visiting? You think
2: Caribbean time is like black people time on steroids? <laughs> okay. OK, they say so we got here like, OK, um, this is when we get here. This is when we're going to come and um, hook up your Internet this day in time. Two weeks go by. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, <laughs> <Two weeks>. what? <laughs> I was like, so, so really, everything is very slow paced. <laughs> they believe in taking day um, Sundays off. Everything shuts down on Sundays. It's just about only I think maybe one or two grocery stores is actually even open. All stores, everything shuts down. OK. okay? Yeah. The Ace is our Walmart over here. Okay. Um, they sell furniture and like other goods, everything except for groceries. I was like, I, I'm used to going to Ace. It's the hardware store. They, it's hardware and other um, <laughs> over here. And so, um, and then I learned that groceries is very, very expensive and you need to buy only for like what you're going to cook within the next, that day or the next day, because they're they don't have a lot of pesticides and stuff and mm-hmm. um, um, adjectives into their food. Mm-hmm. So I remember going to buy meat and I put it in the freezer like we normally do because I'm going to cook it towards the end of the week. And I got out to defrost it and it was just spoiled. I'm like, what in the world? So I had to learn. That you know, that meat, most people don't go freeze meat. They buy meat the same day that they go um, that they're going to cook it or the very next day. Mm. So I lost a couple of hundred dollars worth of groceries because I was shopping the black people way, you know, deep freezer. Because right. we, we we
1: <laughs> buy in bulk, right? Especially bulk. the bigger your family, but we're so used to buying in bulk because there's a sale and there's a deal. Yes. But yes. there is something about buying just what you need. Yes. I know it's it's so revolutionary, but that's most of the world, right? We yes. it's just in the states because we got big fridges to accommodate, right? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I I've had those experiences where I'm like, why is this fruit bad already? And it's like it's been three days. I'm like, it's been three days. Yes. Why is it bad already?
2: Yeah, and it was and so that I learned that just to buy what we need. And then um our first Thanksgiving over here and making banana pudding, I spent, you know, close to fifty dollars just to make a pan of banana pudding because the box right. <laughs> of wafers was eight dollars a box. And so I remember taking a picture and putting it on social media. They was like, you better not buy that box. I said, I gotta buy the box. I promised my husband I was gonna make some banana pudding. Okay.
1: Or somebody gotta but bring it you- in the suitcase.
2: Look, I am like, it's going to be, I said, somebody ship me some wafers over here.
1: When I lived in the, people laugh at me of this, but I don't care. Uh, One of the things I tell folks is that when you move somewhere, at least for the early part, take the spices and the things you're accustomed to cooking with, because you still don't, you don't know where you can find them yet in the country you're in, or if they've got Mm -hmm. them now. It's a little bit different. You're in the Caribbean. So my sister came the first time she visited me in Doha and mm-hmm. she had a suitcase which was like Lowry's literally it was like Lowry's and like <laughs> it was every seasoning you could imagine and I know so no, right and she brought like garlic salt all this stuff because I could not find what I was used to so she said yeah I just mm-hmm. went to Walmart and bought like $40 worth of actually it was like $50 worth of yes love yo. Know, but Best seriously love. though and, mm-hmm. and so but I'm thinking about what you just said like if somebody's coming to visit you and you you want to make a banana pudding or whatever, the first thing I'll probably be, I'll say to you is, what food do you want me to slide into my suitcase that I can bring mm-hmm. to you? Because people don't realize how expensive, especially if you're coming from somewhere where we live, where, yeah, food we think food's expensive, but then we nice. go to other places and go, nah, that costs yeah. 15 bucks for that bacon. We, we about mm-hmm. to not eat pork ever again. <laughs>
2: Ever. 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 <laughs> and then especially it scared me the first time we went to the grocery store and it said like $350 NAF. They use guilders over okay. here. That's their mon- monetary. And they also use the euro. Okay. And so um, at the grocery store, they use the guilders. And it's like, oh, $350 um, NAF guilders. And I'm like, $350? Right. They're like, oh. They're like, are you paying in euro guilders or um, US? I said US. They're like, oh, that's only $125. <laughs> It's fine this to me. I'm, you know, I'm new here. Right.
1: Help me. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So let me, let me ask you this as someone who, who's a, a, a practitioner, a clinician. Mm-hmm. What are the, some of the transitional challenges you're seeing for your, you know, with the populations you, you guys are working with? Obviously, most mm-hmm. people don't understand many, most of your students, faculty, staff are not. From Saint Martin, right? They're coming in they're not. for an internet. They're they're coming in for education or coming in for a professional opportunity. What are mm-hmm. some of the things? And I'm thinking about this as the folks that we have that move across the world. That you see people experience that they don't even anticipate that they're going to experience moving somewhere new. That maybe might be a challenge.
2: Homesickness is real, mm-hmm. but there's so many layers to homesickness. Of course, the most common one is this is my first time really away from home. Because mm-hmm. I went to college, it was in my hometown or in my home state. Yeah. Or even if they went out of say, this is the first time they've ever been this far from their family. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first biggest thing that we're dealing with is just adjustment. Mm-hmm. The second part of the adjustment is dealing with many of our um, our cultural um, students mm-hmm. who are coming from um, different countries in Africa, India, or mm-hmm. um, maybe first and second gen students and their um, their parents are from those countries where they were very much, they were very much coddled, and they lived in very restrictive environments. Gotcha.
1: So very, very supported. And that's the yeah. nice way to say it.
2: But I think yeah, that's the nice way. They didn't have. Let's just say they didn't have a many life experiences. Mm. And so coming, um, even been in college, some of them say that they you know have to still have a curfew at nine o'clock. So many uh-huh. life experiences they didn't have. So when they come over here, they don't have the tools to truly adjust because they're so used to their parents taking care of everything. So it's teaching teaching them to be independent, teaching them that they can trust their own decision making skills, and teaching them that they can still rely on their parents, but now they're looked at as more supportive than actual the action person to implement whatever it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So adjustment is the biggest piece. And then unfortunately, you know, um just like we're seeing in the trends of mental health across all colleges, mm-hmm. we've seen an uptick of students who come in with lived experiences of trauma. Typically, um, domestic violence, um, sexual assault, childhood abuse, and so, um, and they range. Some have went through their own previous counseling, and some have never experienced it. And the the pace and the rigor of medical school exasperates the symptoms that they've been living with. And so, it, 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 if they're not able to tackle it and get it under control, it's um, their mental health and well being will impact their academic success. Mm-hmm. And so, that's the second part. And then the other biggest thing is test anxiety. Test anxiety um, and and imposter syndrome is the last one. Um, We are a Caribbean medical school. And so for some of these students they either are here by tradition, their parents, uncle, auntie, cousins, one of them went to this school Mm -hmm. or a similar school, or this was their last option. Mm -hmm. They couldn't get into the U.S. medical schools due to a variety of reasons, um, or even even the Canadian ones, because we have some um, students from Canada. Mm -hmm. And so... um, they were the top students in some ways, but because they couldn't make it in those schools, they come here saying, "Yes, this is my second chance. This is my time to get, you know, um, to fully follow my purpose." Um, but then they constantly doubt themselves: "of Should I be here? Do I do I, do I deserve to be here?" Uh-huh. And so we're dealing with once again imposter syndrome and doing different types of workshops and one on ones for students to really increase their confidence in their identity.
1: You know, you brought up something really interesting. I. As you were thinking, as you were speaking, because I was thinking about especially that second point you made about coming from backgrounds or stories where there may have been some trauma. Mm-hmm. Just, and, and, and this is now me asking you as the professional, mm-hmm. you know, when someone moves into a different environment, do you see that this can be like sort of sort of those, I guess the aftermath of that sort of be exasperated because you're in a new environment or or is it one of those cases where, you know, you would hope that an individual has had the support from where they were before and they use those coping mechanisms? Like, because I, I, I think about our expats a lot, right? Because all of us, none of us mm-hmm. have perfect stories, right? Some of us mm-hmm. move and leave for a variety of reasons. Sometimes because of the trauma at home is mm-hmm. why we leave, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I'm just curious just in terms of, is it just in just in 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 your perspective if maybe moving has also kind of exasperated some of uh, some of the aftermath of that just
2: it has um you know most people don't consider moving overseas to be a small trauma. I know if we had to put a term to it, but it can be very traumatic for some people. Mm. They don't have the skills or the lived experience. This is their first time ever traveling overseas. Many students, first time ever getting on a plane or even Mm. having to get a passport. For those students who've experienced trauma, coming over here puts them in the center of uh, of a power struggle. Can I do this? Do I have the power and the resources to survive? Again, something that's going to be a new challenge. I've survived Whatever they may have experienced in their past um, childhood or young adulthood, but now I'm faced with a new challenge. Can I excel at this Caribbean medical school? Can I live on my own? Um, and can I do this all once again while once again away from every single resource and tool that I'm used to having?
1: Mm. And that, and that, I mean, then that translates whether you're a student or not, right? Right? Because I mean, to be honest, that's something you had to go through because mm-hmm. you'd never lived. I mean, sure, you have your family, but none of y'all had ever lived on the island before.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. Right? Never lived on the island. Um again I've I've traveled, I've been to a couple of Caribbean islands on vacation, yeah. but nothing more than a week. And it, again we, we're living um typically on some type of hotel yeah. um resort. Or resort yeah. So <laughs> This is we're on our own. We at our own apartment. <laughs> so
1: now so now that now that you're on the other side, obviously you're living there, what are mm-hmm. and, and in light of what you just said, what are some of the healthier coping mechanisms if you are moving into a new environment, would you say, mm-hmm. Hey, here are some of the things you wanna you wanna consider or be aware of to help you thrive in that space?
2: Um, I create family and being vulnerable and having to create friends as as an adult, which is something that a lot of adults don't talk about. But, Mm. you know, we typically have our friends and having to create new friends is hard for sometimes for a lot of adults. And I'm an introvert by heart anyway. Mm -hmm. So I, I created my family at work. Um, I haven't got to create my family within the community because of COVID, but that's something that's on my agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I created family outside of work, those who I consider to be my um, my colleagues who I also consider now to be family. So we had to create community within um, for us. And then for my husband, he's the stay at home father. He's the ruler of the household. So now he is a part of the mom's crew. <laughs> And so he got his little chat group and stuff like that. And, you know, he has to create, make sure he has those supports for him. So we had to think outside the box because we're both pretty much introverts, me and my husband. Mm-hmm. And so we're not schmoozers by any means. Yeah. And so we had to make sure that we ask questions and surround ourselves with people who can provide knowledge for us. So I would say that would be the first thing.
1: And I because I, I want to jump in there because since you mentioned it. So, for your husband, obviously moving to St. Martin, did he have to change his career?
2: (laughs) My husband's new career, um, is, um, he is the stay at home father and he's the ruler of the household. My husband, um, was a over the road truck driver for 22 years. So he was his own
1: person. Wow. Mm -hmm. So that, and so, and that, that, end once you guys got married or once you decide to come to the Island, which where did it, or was he already? It um
2: it ended when we came to the island. So while we was um over there and we were married, he continued to drive trucks, um, but he came off the road. So he would drive locally yeah. and come home in the evenings. But that had did you know a lot for him. And so that was one of the discussions is that they talk about um the rules when it comes to employment on the island. Yeah. Now that we're citizens, we have um rights to for employment. Um, but the rules are um natural citizens um are eligible for for jobs first. Mm-hmm. We're considered second. Right. And so my husband, specialty was driving like gas from cars. And so I remember being over here doing an interview. I said, baby, there's a gas tanker. He said, I'm not driving over here. I'm not driving over here. These people are crazy and driving. He said, I'm going to retire if you get this job. And I said, okay. And so that was a conversation that we had, you know, that became more of a joke until fruition. I said, you know, I really can't focus on being a director and a professor here Um, And trying to balance that and my private practice, I still have Mm -hmm. clients back in the States and trying to still take care of home. And so our our compromise and what works for us is that even if we ever come back to the States, he's going to always be the provider of the household. He's going to take care of the household. Mm -hmm. He runs a very tight ship. He you. has the schedule down to the T. He left for one week to go home and spend time with family and to celebrate his nephew retiring from the military. And I promise you. It all fell apart? I don't care how many degrees I got, I was not prepared, okay? <laughs> it's not it fair. I was like, when are you coming home? <laughs> I didn't mess up the schedule. He didn't miss swimming lessons. When are you coming oh home?
1: No, but... <sighs> and the thank you for being so authentic about that because I've had a previous guest who talked about, look, when we you know, she's a woman. When Mm -hmm. they decide to go overseas, her husband essentially had to change and or give up his career. Right. Mm -hmm. And he was totally okay. Like they had, just like you said, they had a conversation about it. He was okay about being a stay at home dad. And I always Mm -hmm. say this because, you know, and it's gotten, I've been doing the black expat now for about six years, but like Early on, you know, there were some folks who were like, I don't know, Black men would stay at home and, 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 and have an issue if, if, if the woman is the one who, you know, he, he, he ain't doing something. But I'm like, no, there are plenty of Black men who are doing it. But it's a conversation about expectations and what's going to be fulfilling for everybody and what's going to be for the family. Yes. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the, but the funny part is women have been doing this for centuries. And we don't get questioned about No it. one asks. It's just like your partner's no. going, you're going with them. Exactly. And I asked him, I said,
2: you know, um, are your boys clowning you? And he said, you know, my, my, his good friends, They of course they would still clown him, but they truly would tell him in a minute, we're so happy for you. And they're all truck drivers. They're like, if I can come off the road, they're like, I will give it up in a, in a second. They're like, feel free <laughs> to, you know, divorce your way and pass it to me. I will quit. I will. And so, you know, his good homeboys, but yeah, he had some associates who thought it was the running joke. Oh, now you got to be a stay-at-home mom. You no, know, he's a wonderful father. Yeah. Whatever term you want to call it. And he's doing a you know a pretty you no know, damn good job when it comes to it. But I would say overall he did have to have some, you know, funny yet tough conversation with some of his homeboys. I'm like, yeah, you no, know, the definition of what a black family looks like is is whatever we wanted to create it to be. Mm. And we made that rule that we are going to create our family based off of the values that we choose to bring from our um, our childhood experiences, and then what we want to create for ourselves. Wow! And so um, we just create new things. And so a one working household is what we have, and it works. Mm-hmm. And it works. Works great. Works great.
1: And you know, you mentioned your your private practice,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Sister Wells. Sister Wells. And y'all need to visit the site. So I'm going to put it up in the, I'm going to put it up in the notes. You are still seeing clients amazingly enough.
2: I am. I am. (laughs) They keep me busy and they keep me on my toes.
1: And are your clients, are your clients in North Carolina, in the U.S. or throughout the world? Where are they?
2: So our um, sister was, we do both counseling and coaching. Mm -hmm. For counseling, um, U.S. law states that we can only practice within the state that we're licensed in. So I'm only counseling North Carolina residents. Mm-hmm. But for coaching, because I do coaching for career, um, I do some coaching for uh, for life coaching. Um, they can be anywhere in the U.S. or even abroad. Mm-hmm. So we do um, provide that um, those types of services, too.
1: And I first of all. This, this is a site worth visiting because I, I was truly, I was on it and going, look at all these resources. I want to support this. But more mm-hmm. importantly, I'm trying to figure out where you're balancing with these kids and this family and this job. <laughs> how, many, how are you able to still run? And I know that you've got partners, obviously your sister and your very close friend, but mm-hmm. how are you still able to sort of balance that with everything else you got going on?
2: I do not mind sharing my self-care. So I see two clients per night, at least four days a week. And every other week, every other Saturday, I will see clients up to four or five on the weekends. And then I take one week off per month where I don't see any clients in my private practice. And um, when I made that change in coming over here, um, I sent it in the email and I talked with each one of my clients. I had some who... um, who needed something different than what I was going to be able to offer. Mm-hmm. And I got them referred out to additional therapists um, locally for them. But I would say 90% of my clients stuck and stayed with me. Nice. Wow. Because they are, um, some are mothers, some are not, um, but they, um, they welcome my honesty and I believe in practicing what I preach. If I'm telling them boundaries, 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 I have to be able to do the same. So, yeah, I take a week off every month where I don't see clients. And then I limit to just two clients per week, um, two to clients per night, four days a week, which also limits the amount of clients I have mm-hmm. as far as far as my caseload. So, yeah.
1: Like I say, you do you obviously do coaching and you do con- counseling and there's consulting, obviously, that happens through what you guys are doing for mm-hmm. you. What's the type of clientele or what's your areas of expertise? Well, my areas
2: of expertise is dealing with minority women, typically with mood disorders, Life changes, um, career changes, also dealing with chronic illnesses and disease. Mm-hmm. So, being um, a counselor these um, last 11 years, most of my career has functioned um, typically at the intersection of medical and counseling. Mm-hmm. So, I've worked as an embedded counselor in different mm-hmm. types of medical programs. So i work um, working with clients living with HIV and AIDS, mm-hmm. living with sickle cell disease and hemophilia, um, also living with lupus. So I deal with that very intersection of cl- minority clients who live with those different types of lived experiences. And so most of my clients are minority women dealing with those different types of issues. Mm.
1: So needed. <laughs> very needed. Mm-hmm. I wish I could duplicate you, but I can't. I'm also kind of envious the fact that you're better at self-care than I am. I'm the worst, I would say I'm the worst, I'm the worst counselor. I'm like, y'all need a self-care plan. And I I don't.
2: It took time though. (laughs) I literally had to sit there and um, say that if I was going to do this, um, because completely honest, my, uh, my self-care, when I was in the States, I had um, an office and I was there every single night and sometimes every weekend. So I I think that, not I think, I'm going to own it. The move made me change Um, how I viewed um, balance between family and work. Mm. I think the hardest part of um, why I gave so much to Sister Wells and to my clients is because I consider um, counseling to be my ministry work. Mm. Um, Ministry is a part of my family. As you heard, I shared that we um, are a singing family and some are actually ministers. I got a couple of cousins that are ministers and I don't see myself in the pulpit. I figure that my pulpit is the couch. Mm -hmm. And so that's my way of being able to give back two clients. Um, and I live by the saying: I give back what was freely given to me. Someone poured it to me. Someone gave it to me. Um, and I want to give that back. And I just had to learn that there has to still be a balance to that. That I can't pour from an empty cup. Right. <laughs> right. The cup crack broke in the empty.
1: <laughs> right. It's like drizzling <laughs> out the side. But we're trying to know. Yes, so, I feel yes. you. I, man, if we can all do better of taking care of ourselves, I think that half mm-hmm. of our issues would be would be set aside, but the problem is, I think, especially you're in a helping profession; you are a helper by nature, mm-hmm. and there there's never there's never a point where there's not one more person to help. And I, it, it is. I mean, uh, you know, I'm even as we're doing this interview, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I got one more student. That's just like like one more student that's got this yes. this issue, and so. But it's really cool to hear how really moving for you. You kind of embraced kind of that wellness and are actually mm-hmm. practicing it, which probably is making you a better counselor than even maybe what you were in before, because you are in a different mind space, I would imagine. Yes. So Yes.
2: I would think so. Um, my clients, um, what I've learned is that the new clients that I gained since, um, coming over here all have to me been God sent. Mm-hmm. um, they typically have been what I say in, um, in my purpose, either they have, they are experiencing something that I've already overcome mm-hmm. I'm going through now, mm-hmm. or will um, be to come. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I see it as ministry work. It allows for me to see glimpses of how God has, you know, um, has blessed me. Mm-hmm. And also how um, the things that I'm going through reminds me that I'm not doing this alone. Awesome. And that as they seek me for help, um, it humbles me to be able to um, to be reminded that whatever work I still have to do, to still do that. Yeah. Um, but I can be that place of safety for them.
1: Awesome. And I think you're doing amazing yeah. work. Like I said, everybody got to check you. out your site. So where can they find you, even though I'm going to have it all in the show notes?
2: <laughs> yes, you are welcome to come to the well, as we say. Yeah. You can go to www dot sisterwells.org and that's plural with a s after wells
1: and it will take you to all the various other pieces they've got going on and i mm-hmm. i have asked sheree for her list of resources in terms of for those of you who are yes. looking for mental wellness and and health and so just off the top of your head and i'm gonna i'm gonna link mm-hmm. it so you don't have to read everything what are a couple of places that you think for folks who are looking for sort of mental wellness support they should check out
2: I definitely, um, I always say therapy for Black girls mm-hmm. and therapy for Black men. Um, one of my um, newest favorite ones is a, um, clinicians, clinicians of color, and inclusive therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, they both have directories, and they both also have um, resources. And then the last one is melanin and mental health is also a good okay. resource um, for many um, for minority clients.
1: Perfect. And I'm going to list those up. Some of them I've, I've obviously heard of the couple, last couple I haven't. So I'm really glad to hear, mm-hmm. uh, hear about that. Um, and, and of course, because they're directories, hopefully everyone can do a search to see those who are comfortable working with globally based clients, because
2: mm-hmm. that's,
1: that's always the question. I'm in Turkey, but I would like a, a counselor who kind of understands yeah. some of the cultural experiences as well. So, yeah.
2: and it just depends on the the country. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Some countries will allow for us to practice here, but I know there are a few um, that won't, no matter if we're licensed in the U.S. or not. Gotcha.
1: So that's, that's the key part. And I I know you got to say mm-hmm. that because I swear someone's going to say, can I work with her? And I'm going to have to be like, well, I don't know where you're at. If you in North Carolina, yes, for sure. I don't know what happened. Oh no. Yes, for sure. Yes. Okay. Yes, for sure. I don't, sure. I don't know what happens beyond <laughs> beyond the 919-910-336 the <laughs> when we at 704. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know what happens beyond those area codes. It, ooh, right. It's a little tricky. But mm-hmm. Sheree, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I have loved hearing your story and, and just sort of the advice that you've given. And man, I, you got me... I, I got to visit St. Martin. Honestly, look, I'm I haven't been busy. in the Caribbean. Like... <laughs>
2: You gotta come. So this is a more expensive Caribbean island compared to some like St. Thomas the Virgin uh-huh. Islands, still, yeah, but it's still beautiful. right, beautiful. And
1: more importantly, why I should come. It's all it's it's, it's actually been on my bucket list, so I'm excited to and i and I was happy to hear your experiences. But for mm-hmm. everyone who's looking to connect with her, as I said, we will have all the information listed on our website as well as in our show notes, and you can catch up with her at sisterwells.org. I'm saying this right, not .com, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. once again, thank you again for listening to The Global Chatter and we'll catch you on the next time. Bye.